another great edition of the BCLE, and today we've got the amazing Mike Lee, who has bridged his background of basketball, leadership, and performance, and has now working with companies and athletes in mindfulness and emotional intelligence. In this episode, we dive into his past, his journey, what he's doing now, and how he believes mindfulness is the key to your success. Welcome to Be Contagious Leadership Experience Season 2. And you'll enjoy Mike Lee. Guys, welcome back to the Be Contagious Leadership Experience. This is season two. I've got another great guest for you. Uh, actually, we're, we're friends on LinkedIn. I don't even know if you can call that that we're friends if we're on LinkedIn, but we are now. And I'm so happy I sent a message to be on the podcast. Really impressed with, with uh, our guest's career. It was in basketball, has moved on now to uh, speaking and something that, that is so dear to me is the mindfulness and the meditation. I've got today Mike Lee. What's going on, Mike? How you doing? Doing well. Thanks for having me on. No, it's it's great. I, I saw you know your profile. There's a lot of synergies and everything else. Why don't you go ahead and give our listeners maybe the elevator speech of who you are and what you do? So I spent the past 15 years in the basketball space. And I've more about five years ago, I, I bridged my background in basketball coaching, leadership and performance and the experiences that I've had working with some of the games, 1% with meditation, mindfulness and emotional intelligence to help individuals and organizations unlock the human potential within that's, that's the, the high level elevator speech. <laughs> Now, obviously, being in a space for 15 years, basketball, which you made a tremendous name for yourself and everything else, I'm sure that you saw different things in terms of leadership and everything else. Why make the switch over? Why go ahead and take a chance on, on basically shifting gears, pivoting, going in, in a direction that is similar but also very different? You ready for a story? Absolutely. This is what we are built on, Mike. So I battled with depression my whole life. Growing up in Wisconsin, especially in the winters, I would get incredibly depressed. I'm talking not getting out of bed till three o'clock in the afternoon type of depression because the weather has just, for some people, has a really, really big impact on their emotional state. And it got to the point where I basically decided that I wasn't going to... I wasn't going to live through another winter anymore in Wisconsin. And I decided to move out to Los Angeles purely for the weather. I said, I'm going to try it for six months. I'm going to move out purely for the weather and see how this goes. And I moved out to LA and it was January. It was sunny out and I was feeling great emotionally, better than I ever felt in the winter before. And I decided to get off this antidepressant medication that I've been on for the past 14 years. Mm getting off of it was like getting off of heroin. It threw my body into a state of chronic emotional instability. I would go from laughing to crying to anxiety to crazy depression all within a couple hours. And at the slightest sign of stress, I would feel the fear as if I was in the middle of the woods, in the middle of the night, surrounded by a pack of hungry wolves with nothing to defend myself. And the rage that you might experience if you saw a loved one murdered in front of you in cold blood. Wow. And I know that might sound really graphic, 
but that's the only way that I could describe the emotions that I would experience when I was trying to get off of this medication. And so I knew that if I was going to get off of this, I needed to pick up something. I needed a tool, a strategy, a practice to help me win this battleground that had been created in my mind. Cause that's what I felt like every single day was that I was going to war in my mind. And I, at the time I'd been practicing yoga for about a year, pretty consistently. And for a lot of people, a mindfulness practice is an extension of their yoga practice. And so I decided to, to commit to a daily mindfulness meditation practice for 10, 15 minutes every single morning. And it completely changed the trajectory of my life. I mean, I quite literally survived in, in certain aspects because of picking up one of these practices. And I realized a couple things. Number one, all the skills that I was teaching in the basketball space from leadership to performance, to getting players to be able to perform under pressure, they were all amplified when you had a meditation practice, because like you probably know, there's areas of your brain that change that physically change when you have a practice, just like Mm. An athlete lifts and they see physical evidence of change after they've been on a training program. There's areas of your brain that change as well when you have a meditation practice. The, there's an area in the front called your uh, neocortex that's responsible for your executive function. So things like your focus and your self-awareness and your decision-making. That area actually grows in our brain. There's an area in the back called your amygdala, which is responsible for your fight, flight, or freeze response your stress response, that area actually shrinks, making you less reactive to stress. And when we're less reactive to stress, we are more in the present moment focused on the task at hand. So if you're in the, in the middle of a, or at the end of a game, there's nine seconds left and there's 10,000 people in the stands and you have the ball in your hands at half court and you got to make a play, you're able to shut out that noise a lot more because you've literally trained your brain, physically changed your brain in, in, uh, through training, essentially a mental training program to be able to block that out and be more focused on the task at hand. And so when I was going through all this, I realized that while I had some unbelievable experiences in the basketball space and it, it, I was able to reach a lot of kids and, and impact players and coaches literally across the world that I had a deeper purpose in my life than to be just teaching basketball. Instead of building basketball players and coaches, I wanted to build people. And that really ignited this whole journey going into the leadership and performance space. Wow. That is, I mean, what I love about the story is that you, you first of all, I appreciate you sharing that with all our listeners. Obviously, the, the, your story and some people are great at opening up and some people aren't. I appreciate you sharing with that. And meditation is such a huge part of calming the mind, as, as you had mentioned, and the different parts of your, your brain. When you first started meditating, how hard was it going the 10, 15 minutes? Were you able just to dive in, or was it a gradual buildup? Great question. Uh, it's it's a gra- definitely a gradual buildup, and every experience is different. Every time you see, or every session is different, and every experience for every person is different every single time that you sit down to, to meditate. And it's definitely, I think one of the, the biggest things is to 
learn some of the myths around meditation before you go into it so that you can create expectations as to what the experience might be for you. And I, th- I think a couple of them are, number one, people think meditation is about stopping your thoughts. And that couldn't be further from the truth unless you are practicing every day for an hour in the morning, an hour at night, and do that every day for 30 years, and then maybe your thoughts will start to stop. But it's really more so about being able to start to observe your observe your breath. And when you can start to observe your breath, you can start to observe your thoughts. And when you can start to observe your thoughts, you can start to observe the driving force behind everything in your life. Mm-hmm. So from a from that standpoint, the one of the biggest myths is that you're going to be able to stop your thoughts. Not going to happen. Uh, the other thing is that you're just going to you're going to drop into this state of of peace right away. Not going to happen. This is about, about training your mind to be able to, it's not about blocking out the world and, and getting to that state of, of peace. It's more so about training your mind to be more fully engaged with whatever is in the present moment mm. so that you can be fully there. You can place your attention there. You can place your energy there instead of being in the future in worry or planning or anxiety or in the past in regret or guilt or shame or depression, you're in the present moment focused on the task at hand. And I think that's a big myth because we spend 40% of our, based on studies around only 40% of our time actually in the present moment in our waking state. (laughs) So we have a lot of room for improvement in that, in that area. So I think just, you know, going back to your question, what, going back to when people first start to, to meditate, drop your expectations as to what this experience should be, but don't go into it thinking that you're, it's going to be about stopping your thoughts. It's going to be about dropping into this state of, of uh, complete peace. It's going to be a, a place where you're learning really to work with your mind and what is the driving force behind what's, what's happening in your life. I love that. But the 40% I think is, is going to shock a lot of people, even myself. I actually thought it was a lot less. I'm probably like 20% present <laughs> ever since before I started because I'm all, you know, you're always thinking, I'm always thinking of what's next. Oh, we got to do this. We got to do that. And then your mind starts creating different things uh, along the way um, which which becomes hurtful to you and to the people around you. When you're, first of all, did it take you a long time to say, okay, I'm going to try meditation? Um, that's the first part. The second part, have you gotten a lot of base like pushback on how influential meditation can be to leaders, to athletes, to whoever uh, is doing anything in their life? So... Two good questions. So the first thing is when I first started, I was a crisis meditator, meaning I would only meditate <laughs> when major things show up in my life. I really started a, a meditation practice back when I was building a <laughs> I was building a nonprofit for inner city at risk kids with my ex-girlfriend. 
And so, as you can imagine, not exactly the most uh, conducive environment to not have stress, right? So that's when I really first started, and I and and I would do it whenever stress showed up. I would do it in reaction to whatever was showing up. And what a meditation practice can do for you, or mindfulness meditation practice can do for you, is it trains you to be able to respond instead of to be able to react. One of the biggest things is it creates what I call the decision gap. And that's the space between what happens to us and our response to what happens Mm -hmm. to us. And in that space is our power to choose. And when we have a mindfulness practice, we create the awareness of our ability to create that purposeful pause. And so in that decision gap is where we create the power of intention we create the power of compassion and thoughtfulness and, and kindness in how we want to show up in the world as whether that's in, in a relationship, a work relationship, a personal relationship, how we want to show up as a leader, how we want to show up in a performance situation where you're in front of 100 people and maybe you're out uh, pitching something to a, to a company that you're trying to sell. And how are you showing up? and responding to their reactions? How are you showing up responding to the, the environment that you're in and being able to continually come back to the present moment and be able to not be in, in reaction to things that are showing up in your environment? So that's, uh, that's so going back to what I was saying, I was a crisis meditator for sure. And it took me, it took me to getting to, to rock bottom when I was going through the heroin like withdrawals of getting off that medication to say, I'm doing this every day for 10 to 15 minutes. I'm going to sit down and I'm going to go through my practice because I don't know how else I'm going to be able to make it through the day. Mm-hmm. So you're this, so it definitely took me to get to that point. And I think we, we, we all create changes in our life or commit to, a program where we want to create a new result for two reasons. We do it because we're pulled by a vision or because we're in an unbelievable amount of pain. It's either pain or pleasure. Those are the only two reasons that we change. And for a lot of people, unfortunately, it's they wait until they're in so much emotional pain to create a beneficial change in their life. And for me, that's, that's what it was. It was definitely the, it, it was the pain of just the emotional pain of, of the, the battleground of my mind that I was facing every single day. So that's the first thing. I, and I guess to kind of piggyback on that, I, I would just say, start small. I mean, five, five minutes a day, 10 minutes a day and commit to it. You're going to start to see results. The biggest thing is, is, is you have to schedule it into your day, just like anything else. It can't be, oh, I'm going to do this uh, if I have time. You have to schedule it just like you'd schedule a workout, just like you schedule a meeting, just like you schedule a phone call, just like you schedule time to work on a creative project. You have to schedule it in your day because what gets scheduled gets done. And unless it's part of your day, part of your routine, you're not going to commit to it. And so even if it's only 10 minutes a day, after you commit to it consistently for a week, 10 days, 30 days, whatever it is, 
you're going to see some results and, and you're going to know if it's right for you or not. Mm. The second question around the skepticism, <laughs> uh, it's funny because when I first, and I'll try to, I'm going to answer this in a few different ways. The first group that I really started doing this with was high school kids. And I remember the first time that I did it at a high school, at, at a basketball camp that I was running actually, you know, in a really small conservative town in, in the middle of Minnesota. And I was really unsure of how it was going to go, but I just knew that, it was something that I needed to do. It was something that I needed to give, give these kids an opportunity to experience. And I did it, I think on the, at lunch on the second day of camp. And I took the kids, there's about a hundred kids there. And I took them through just a simple mindfulness practice. And afterwards I had so many kids come up to me asking me or telling me a, that was unbelievable. That was one of the coolest things I've ever done in my life. And B, when are we going to do it again? (laughs) And so I knew that for them, especially they grew up in a world where they don't, they don't know a world without technology. They don't know a world without their parents scheduling every single activity from the time that they wake up to the time that they go to sleep, they have no time to just shut their minds off and be. And so that, that was the first time that I did it and it was received way better than, than I thought it was going to. There's definitely been some, some pushback, but I think everybody, the reason people, push back on it is because they, we fear things that we don't understand. We fear things that we are, that we've not, that we haven't experienced before. Mm-hmm. And the bottom line is, is like meditation can be used in a completely secular way. Obviously like meditation is mentioned in every single spiritual practice in some way, shape or form but it can be, it can be used in a completely secular way and it can be used in, used in addition to whatever your chosen path is. Like for example, Kobe Bryant was a devout Catholic. He went to, he went to church almost every single Sunday for, for a long, long time. And Kobe Bryant also meditated every single day for the last 20 years of his life. Mm. And meditation is not something that is a a pillar or a practice in the, you know, in the Catholic path. And so it can be used as a way to, in a completely secular way, just to train your mind. At the end of the day, science is backed up in thousands of studies, Mm. how this physically changes your brain in so many beneficial ways regardless of what your, what your path is, or even if you, if you don't have a path. And so, uh, it's definitely, it gets, so to sum, really to sum that up, it gets pushback until people have an experience. <laughs> and once they have an experience, maybe they'll decide that it's not for them and they are not gonna, 
practice it or, or, or implement this into their, into their schedule, into, into the routine, but they don't have the resistance around it being something that's uh, against their, their beliefs or uh, skepticism as to, to why it might be beneficial for people. Cause even if, if you practice it and maybe at this time in your life, you don't need it, you most likely will have an understanding as to how it could be beneficial for somebody else. Mm. I love that you, you talked about how, you know, you're a meditator only when crisis happened. And I was like that for a yeah. long time. I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm anxious. Uh, stuff isn't working out with my girlfriend or whatever else. And, okay, I got to breathe and I'm going to spend some time in the morning. And then when everything started to be okay, then, then I stopped it all of a sudden. And it's only been over the last year, year and a half where I've been super consistent with it. Really take the time. Talk about when meditation for a lot of people who are who you know will start meditation. You know, a lot of them will think, "Hey, I meditate this morning. I should be good. Nothing will bother me later on." During the course of the day, after they do meditation, talk about: Do you do any? You know, when things start to come up, do you do any breathing techniques? Do you just take a, a still moment? What are things that you do on an everyday basis that, as the day goes forward, you are calming yourself as well too? That's a great question, especially now with everybody working from home. Right. I think it's, it's really crucial as somebody who's worked from home their entire life, it's super important to be able to take, find those ways to change your emotional state throughout the day. After you're sitting on a computer on, you know, back to back, back zoom calls, you need to change your, your state, because otherwise your, your, uh, your brain function is just going to shut down. And so one thing, and this really doesn't have to do with the mindfulness practice, but one thing that I, I think is super important for me and it is, it's sound, it's so simple that it might seem insignificant and it's not going to make an impact, but literally just being able to get outside and, be in any sort of nature and go for a walk and just be outside without technology and just be able to do a, what's called a walking meditation, go outside. You can do this a couple ways. The more traditional way is to, to go outside and just essentially place your awareness on every step that you're taking. Hmm. And anytime you can do something to get out of your head and back into your, into your body, into your experience is going to be beneficial for you. So by placing your attention on every step that you take, maybe you just, you do it from block to block. Uh, it can be really, really beneficial for you. Even if it's only five to 10 minutes. The other thing that you can do as you're for a walking meditation is just walk and focus on your, on your breath, focus on your breathing as you go for these walks. There's a, an app called Insight Timer that I use for this. And what it essentially does is you can set a time for 10 minutes or 20 minutes or whatever your walk is going to be. And you have every, you set uh, uh, intervals of when 
a bell will go off. So a bell will go off to remind you to bring your attention back to your focal point, whether that's because your mind's going to drift. You're not going to go for a walk. Just like when you're in a seated meditation, your mind's going to drift. And so when you go for a walking meditation, you can set, set a bell, uh, these reminder bells every two minutes, it's going to remind you to bring your attention back into, uh, back into the present moment. And Really, I mean, going back to kind of the the science behind it, every time meditation or having a mindfulness practice is not, to me, it's not about training your mind to be more present. It's about training your mind to have the awareness of when your mind drifts and then being able to bring your attention back to the present moment. That's more so what you will get out of, out of a mindfulness practice is you will start to operate with a higher level of awareness of where you are placing your attention in the moment and then redirect your attention back to the things you want to bring your energy to. Mm. So that, I mean, that, that goes into just a whole nother level of productivity from salespeople to CEOs, to athletes, they get into almost like this flow state where they're really being able to understand their surroundings. And I mean, all of us drift, like all our minds will just start to drift and just under having that present awareness to get to that, to that point. Have you seen um, your productivity gone further? Um, I mean, obviously you've, you've worked with a lot of different things in your mind and you've been very successful with a lot of things, but since you've been doing that, if you didn't do it, where do you think your productivity would be? It's tough to tell, to be honest with you, because it's, it's such an incremental change. Mm. What I would say is that here's an example of where it for sure showed up for me. No question about it. I decided to, when I decided to write my, write my book, I, what I decided to do was I was going to, every morning I was going to write for an hour, but before I wrote, the first thing I did was meditate, was go through a meditation practice. So I would sit down and meditate 10 to 15 minutes, 20 minutes, whatever it was on that day. And then I would immediately go into writing. And I 100% believe that that helped with that process of writing the book. Cause I, I actually, like, I look back on the book and I'm, I don't even remember writing a lot of it because it that's exactly it's just like an athlete playing a game, right? You play the greatest game of your life and you don't remember any of it because you were so locked in mm. to the moment. And it that's a it, you brought up a great point, right? The state of flow or being in the zone is essentially the same state as deep meditation. Mm-hmm. And so when when I was writing that book and sitting down or making the decision to sit down and meditate before I wrote every day was definitely uh, something that I can draw a direct connection to where it increased my productivity. No question about it. That, I, I, I love that because it is, it is such a true, true concept. See, let's do me a favor. One, if you can take that and what you're talking about and now move it into an athlete athletic context. So let's say there's probably there's a bunch of coaches who are listening to this right now. They're trying to get their athletes to go ahead and really uh, be focused, be in that moment so they could either hit those shots or perform at the, at the time when they need to. How does that help them as well too? When would they meditate? 
um, consistently on an everyday basis, all those different things for an athlete. I'm glad you brought that up because it reminded me of one of my biggest pet peeves of coaches, <laughs> coaches that are listening to this podcast, yelling at your kids to focus is not going <laughs> to change the way that their brain works to get them to focus more. You have your players have to physically train their minds, just like they train their handle, just like they train their, 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 their pull up, just like they train their ability to split ball screens. They have to train their mind in a similar way. There was a, uh, a player that was, I mean, I, he's, he plays for the Toronto Raptors now that I've worked with since he's been in, been in about sixth grade, really. And, you know, this kid put in an unbelievable amount of work and we were having a conversation a couple years ago. This kid, this kid, uh, last, his name is Matt Thomas, plays for the Raptors. When he was in Spain, his first two years out of college shot 99% on open three point looks mm. during his, his two years in Spain. So this kid's obviously an uh, unbelievable shooter, right? But my point is that we were having a conversation when he was in college about, you know, he's put, he's put this kid's, you know, he shot, he's made tens and thousands of thousands and thousands of shots in his life. We were having a conversation around, well, what's it, what's it going to take to get to get you to the next level? Is it really about you putting in more work and getting more shots up every single day? Mm -hmm. You going in and, and you shooting, uh, you know, making a thousand threes every single day throughout the summer. Is that really what's going to help you come next season? And I asked him, what do you think it is when you miss shots, when you miss shots during a game, whether they're wide open looks or you're coming off screen, when you miss shots, what's really not all the time. And cause there's no, you know, there's obviously, uh, there's obviously a, uh, a degree of, um, I can't think of the right word, but there's, there's variables with this, mm -hmm. right? But when you miss shots, what happened? Where's your mind at? And he's like, when not most of the time when I miss, it's cause I'm not in the present moment. It's not, it's cause I'm not locked in. It's cause I'm not focused. It's not cause I didn't make a thousand threes every day last summer. It's because my mind is drifted somewhere to the past or the future. And I wasn't fully in that moment when I took that shot. Mm. And that's why that's, that's why so many guys, right. And this is a perfect example for any, any, anybody in the basketball space, why so many guys miss wide open looks is because they, on, on receiving the pass, they see that nobody's there right. and their mind automatically gets pulled out of the moment because their mind drifts into, oh, I have to make this shot because nobody's guarding me. Mm. So going back to, to the athlete standpoint, I mean, if I was if I was a high school or college coach or pro coach, I would build this into our, our daily, daily practice, our daily routine. And I was talking to, I was talking to an extremely successful division one college coach. I won't name him, but <laughs> he, I was talking to him about this when we first started or when I first started getting into this and you know, one thing that he said to me was, well, that's, you know, I guess the meditation is just like, that's just like an off season thing for guys. And I'm like, <laughs> it wasn't an off season thing for Kobe Bryant. 
Kobe Bryant didn't, didn't just meditate in the off season. He was doing it every single day for almost, you know, for 20 years. Mm -hmm. Right. So this is, I think, honestly, I think it's even more of an in season thing because it, it gives the players an ability to draw direct connections to their performance. I, I could, I could just scream exactly what you're saying at the top of my lungs outside my balcony because it is so it is so true you know so many coaches spend so much time on the x's and o's and and you know as well as i do unless you're in the nba like execution in college and high school is really broken place there there it's it's off a rebound or it's whatever else it is so you know how you know you could practice all these plays but you know when you practice your mind and strengthen it over and over again. It used to be the same thing like six years ago, maybe 10 years ago, they would say, oh no, we can't lift weights during the season. We got to save their legs. Right. And now all of a sudden, now everyone. So yeah, hundred percent. So I'm going to, I'll give you a, a great, not, well, maybe not for you, but for coaches, here's, here's an, a great analogy. And this is what I, whenever I speak in with uh, anybody in the athletic space, and I even draw this analogy with business. But back in the 80s, in the basketball space, nobody lifted weights hmm. ever, right? <laughs> Everybody said, well, that's for Olympic athletes. That's for football players. That's not for basketball players. It's going to bulk you up too much. You're not going to be able to – it's going to limit your mobility. And the biggest thing was it's going to mess up your shot, yeah. right? <laughs> so nobody lifted weights in the basketball space. And then the Bulls kept getting beat by the Detroit Pistons in the Eastern Conference Finals. And Jordan – body kept getting worn down by Joe Dumars. And so he knew that he needed to do something different. If he was going to overcome this barrier that he was running up against every single year. So I hired Tim Grover and he started to lift and then some other bulls joined and became the breakfast club. And, and for a while they got an edge because they were doing something that nobody else was willing to do at that time. And obviously as everybody knows, I went on to win all these, all these uh, NBA championships. Well, now in the basketball space, it's the required price of admission to maximize your potential is to work on your body and to work on your and to work on your individual skills right. and to work on everything from a uh, team offensive and defensive strategy. So now what's the new edge? What are players going to do when your skills are equal, your body's equal, your strategy's equal? What is the edge? What's going to give you that advantage? Uh, in it, when everything is equal and that edge, no question is your ability to train your mind. Right. And it's being evidences of, of this is the NBA is partnered with headspace, which is, uh, for those of you who don't know, it's, it's a meditation app. It's the world's largest meditation app. The NBA is partnered with, uh, with this organization to give access to, Every NBA employee, every player, every front office staff, coaches, anybody that's associated with the NBA, they all have access to it. And so the NBA, they, they know that there's a benefit to this in so many aspects from dealing with mental health to performance to stress all over the place. This having a practice can, can benefit you in so many different ways. And so that's kind of the, the analogy that I like to, to tell people is to, to demonstrate this is that if you want to be the elite of the elite, this is the next frontier where you, where you have to go, whether you're an artist, an athlete, a CEO, 
you got to be able to, you have to be working on training your mind and, and the best of the best are already doing it. Colby did it for 20 years. Jerry Seinfeld had a practice forever. I mean, he's been meditating for like 30 years. Oprah, uh, you know, Steve jobs used to have a meditation practice. I mean, you name it. There, there's the, the elite of the elite are working on their mind in some way, shape or form. LeBron James, you know, he, I don't know how much of a, a meditation practice he has, but he, he has a yoga instructor that travels with him year round, uh, to, to continue to work on not just his body, but to work on his mind. When you really dive into the, the truth of yoga, it's more so about training your mind than it is about training your body. It's essentially a moving meditation and the physical benefits of it are just a byproduct. Right. No, I, I, I completely agree with you. I think these are what coaches have to do moving forward. I think this is just where we're, we're going. I think being mindful, understanding how powerful your mind is, is, is not just the next frontier. It is right now what a lot of people have to do. Man. I got one more question for you, Mike, because I appreciate you coming on. Here yeah. we go. It's what every person loves to hear and love to answer. When they make the Mike Lee full featured film, who is playing you? That's a great question that I definitely never thought of before. <laughs> who is playing me? It's a tough one. I'm telling you. You really, you really got me thinking here. <laughs> I have to cut this, cut this out of the interview because I can't think of think of anybody. It's a tough one because there's so many really good actors, and then you're trying to figure out like, all right, who could really portray who I am to the core? Man, I feel like there's somebody at that's in the back of my mind that I can't bring bring up right now. But I don't know, man. Maybe it'd be me. Maybe it'd be me. I'm, I'm living in LA. So Perfect. <laughs> we'll we'll see. You're the you're the second guest who has answered that question with like, why would anybody play me? I'm gonna play me. And you're right, you're in LA, so you're already picture perfect, ready to go for that. Yeah. yeah. To drive down the street and get some lessons. <laughs> Mike, man, I appreciate you coming on. If you can go ahead and tell people how they could reach out to you. I know your website is MindShift Lab. It's Lab or Labs? Labs. Labs. So go ahead, tell everybody how they get hold of you. This has been a phenomenal talk, man. Awesome, man. Thanks for having me on. Uh, you guys can connect with me on LinkedIn at Who Is Mike Lee. And Instagram at who is Mike Lee. Those are the two best places to connect. And please feel free to reach out. Any questions that you have, I'll do whatever I can to, to help you out. Awesome. Mike, I appreciate you, man. Really, it's been an honor you coming on. I love you sharing your story. Um, talk about mindfulness. Talk about, obviously, the things that happen in your life. And, man, have a good time. Awesome, man. Thanks for having me on. Look forward to chatting with you again soon. All right. Thank you. How about Mike Lee dropping the nuggets of meditation, mindfulness, and being aware of your surroundings? Make sure you visit him on his site and reach out to him on all his social media outlets.
Guys, I say this all the time. Without you, this podcast would be nowhere. So please head on over to iTunes. Give us a rating, one to five, whatever it is. I appreciate you coming on and being a supporter. As we move forward, please don't forget to join us on the website, HernandoPlanels.com. Reach out on any of our social media outlets. We're here to help and serve you so that you can be a better leader, communicator, connector, and finally building that strong culture. Guys, I love you so much and see you next time on the B-C-L-E.